We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It's Friday, and you know what that means. Front Office Friday! Let's go. It's Front Office Friday, the last Front Office Friday before the trade deadline, which we will be live at deadline time. We'll probably go live an hour, maybe maybe even an hour and a half or so before the trade deadline. So that's going to be coming up next week, February 8th, 3 o'clock Pacific time. That's the trade deadline. So we're going to address all the latest trade rumors today. We'll be taking all of your questions, your comments. Uh, before we get to all of that, uh, Keith, do we want to talk about it? I am in the only piece of purple and yellow clothing that I own, uh, <laughs> as well as my new pullover is like in the Lakers throwback. Uh, That's true. Bluish color. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we we have to. I made you do it after the Christmas game. So that is true. It's only fair that I do it today. So, Keith, I have had a lot of people telling me that I, I need to to stick it to you here because the Lakers beat the Celtics without LeBron, without Anthony Davis. I don't feel like that's necessary. I mean, it's that's not really how we we tend to roll. Um, <laughs> on top of that, on top of that, um, I actually see how this could be good for both teams. I thought this could be a a, a wake up call. Not good in the sense that Boston should be celebrating, and they certainly shouldn't. But I think it's a bit of a wake up call for them. I thought they looked across the floor, saw no LeBron, no Anthony Davis, and went, "Oh, we've got this in the bag." And then the Lakers had a bunch of guys step up and played with heart and passion and energy, which frankly we don't see all of the time. And so maybe it's a wake-up call for the Celtics, also a wake-up call for the Lakers that, hey, we can actually play good basketball when we go out there and we put forth the, the requisite effort and we and we get after it. So I don't know. Obviously, it was a big night for the Lakers, an important night for the Lakers. When I woke up happy after seeing uh, after seeing that win, um, I understand Celtics fans are, are very, very upset and and really should be. But as you noted yesterday, there's still like four and a half games up in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, if this was any team other than the Lakers, no one would really bat an yeah. eye. They'd be like, eh, bad loss, guys are out, it is what it is. It was because it's the Lakers. That's part of why people are so upset. And that's what makes the rivalry special, no matter mm -hmm. where either team is in the standings, no matter what their you know kind of play is right now. Uh, on the court, who's who plays in the game or not. It just means more than other games do. We only get it twice a year. So it, it really is still a very special um, rivalry in that sense. And I think <clears throat> to your point, 
I felt like some of the Lakers guys, I feel like some people have now twisted into they don't want to play with LeBron and AD. Like, because oh, it's yeah. just people have to make drama out of nothing. I think they went out there with, we have nothing to lose. So they played yeah. free and loose and fast uh, the whole game and played really well. And that, that's a style for a handful of those guys that really fits them. If you're, if you're running a lot of, all right, we're going to bring it up. We're going to get into our sets. We're going to run stuff. Some of those guys value is not necessarily as high as, Hey, let's just run up and down the floor and play, you know, kind of for a long part of the game bombs away basketball. And that's, yeah. and that's fine. You know, they did what they had to do and they certainly brought the energy and, you know, tenacity and everything else you want to say to a rivalry game uh, there, like Jackson Hayes, Jared Vanderbilt before he got hurt. Unfortunately, those guys were really getting after Reeves and Russell uh, did a lot of carrying of the offense early on. And then Hachimura came in and the Lakers just got really good performances, you know, really up and down the roster from the Celtics side. I will say I'm fine with, if you start slow in a game, if you look across the floor and you're like, all right, LeBron's not there, AD's not there, and you just take a little bit off the gas. But five minutes in, it was clear you're in a you're in a game. Now you had more than enough time to get serious and to get after it, and they just didn't. And that that was really disappointing to see. Was they basically played at this half-hearted level almost all night long, and that's just that that's that that I think is the most worrisome, bothersome thing about the whole thing. But they're four and a half games up at the top of the conference still have the league's best record by a couple games. I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep over, you know, one game, even if it's annoying as can be that it was to sure. the Lakers. Yeah. And to the Lakers without LeBron, without AD, I mean, the, the, the line went to um, the line. Oh, we lost Keith's camera for a moment there. Um, the I'm line. Still went, here. Oh, Sorry. you're still here. Okay. The line went to, you know, Something like it was Celtics minus 14, minus 50, something like <laughs> yes, that. They were they were the heavy, heavy favorite um, in this one. But, you know, this is a game where you know the Lakers in general have played better when they've got, um, when they do run organized offense, when they're not just kind of freelancing. But this game, you kind of had to. And like you said, it's, hey, let it fly. Because what's the worst case? We're going to lose? Well, that that's what's projected to happen. So why not just get out there? Uh, and shoot the ball when you've got the opportunity to. And then I think this also demonstrates how powerful the three-point shot is. And perhaps, you know, some people have talked about this over the last few years, that maybe it's overly powerful because the Lakers shot 53% from three. They're they're not a good three-point shooting team on the season. They're okay. They're middle of the pack. Last I looked percentage-wise, which is better than you would have expected. But in terms of volume, they're dead last in the NBA in, in volume on threes. Conversely, the Celtics are number one in the NBA in three-point volume. So you had a Lakers team that had, I mean, something of an outlier shooting performance, shooting 53%. The Celtics shot 33% from three, and that made a huge, huge difference in this game. 48 attempts from deep for the Celtics, and they only shot 33%. That's going to put you in situations where you lose a game where you may not otherwise, particularly when the team you're playing gets hot from behind the arc. So again, I thought this was a demonstration of how powerful the three-point shot is in, in today's NBA uh, I did want to get to, before we get into all the, the trade rumors and everything, I wanted to get your thoughts on how Joe Missoula handled the game because I noticed him sort of waving the white flag. Uh, what I thought was a little bit early, he pulled his starters with two minutes left in the game. It was a 12-point lead, but again, the Celtics being such a heavy three-point shooting team, I thought, okay, well, that's four possessions potentially. Um, and, and then his decision to early in the second half pull a bunch of the starters. Clearly, he wasn't happy with his team's effort. 
Um, what were your thoughts on, on the way that was managed? Yeah, I think that's what it was. I think it was pulled Jalen Brown pretty uh, early on. <clears throat> he was very sloppy all night, really struggled to handle the ball. His passing was really poor. His defense was really bad too. Uh, so we got him out. Chris asked for defense was not good at all. Um, so that was, was a major challenge as well. And then Derek white just didn't have it last night for large stretches. So I think he basically said, Hey, I'm going to try to change it up. Mm -hmm. And then when they came back for the second half and it was more of the same, that's why I think he said, forget it. I'm just going to other guys. And then it was a game for the vast majority of the fourth quarter. But I think when he pulled the guys at the end, it was, it was what a minute and a half, two minutes left. And I think he looked at it and said, we're not making up 12 points. Not with the way we're playing. We need to just call it what it is and get everybody out of here and, and go. And that's, that I had no issue with, with any of that stuff. I, you know, there were strategic things. I might've picked up Austin Reeves higher on the floor. Sure. Uh, I would have, you know, try to get, you know, obviously guys in there. I would have maybe gone to O'Shea Brissett earlier. He generally changes the energy. I tried to go into my Skata. That was kind of mixed bag there a little bit. A couple of things that I'm thinking about with the um, Lakers, to your point, until last night, they were, I believe that this is accurate because they're 29th now. And I think this one from last night, they were 30th in three-point attempt rate. Oh, are they 29th now? They're 29th they, now. They've, they've been 30th basically all season. Yep. And they are uh, 15th in accuracy. So if anything, that tells me you got to get up more three-pointers. Sure. Um, they're all. They're also, until last night, they were 29th in offensive rebounds. Um, like offensive rebound percentage. And they yes. just destroyed Boston on the glass last night. And I believe they were 30th uh, going into that game. Those are usually stats I'll take a look at. And they are, if I had that correct, let me go back to it. Yeah, they're in the lower, they were in the lower third in forcing turnovers. So mm -hmm. basically they did a whole bunch of stuff that they don't usually do. They shot mm -hmm. a ton of three-pointers. They were all over the offensive glass and they forced a ton of turnovers. And when the other team plays into it that way, that's what you're going to get. It, mm -hmm. you know, I, I will say this too. Anybody who is commenting on this, and this tends to be some Celtics fans who just think, they, they never play poorly and could never lose a game. And every fan base has them. And mm -hmm. there's a handful of, of uh, like more league wide fans or fans of other teams that are like, I don't know. Look at the free throw disparity. The Lakers earned the calls they got. There was other than that ridiculous review of Tatum on a flagrant foul on that Austin Reeves rebound. Like, what are oh, we doing? yeah, it was. Yeah, a foul. that was weird. But yeah. it was a foul. Go shoot I said the same thing play. live on the play-by-play. -play. I'm like, that's just a normal foul, but <laughs> Yeah, there was nothing there. Um, you know, if anything, I think, you know, Austin was the one who lost his balance as he came down with the ball a little bit. He definitely got fouled, but, you know, nothing. And, and Austin sold it a little bit, too. Yeah, for sure, yeah. And But there was there, there were no calls that, like, jumped out where it was like, oh, my God, what an egregious call. I think Boston could have gone to the line a couple more times, but the referees have – the entire history of my life watching this game, and we're, we're over 40 years of watching and understanding it now, they reward the team that plays harder. They, they mm -hmm. always have, and that's just you know, where it is. So I'm not, I'm not going to you know lose a bunch of sleep over this. Like I said, sucks that it was the Lakers, and if it was any other team, we'd all, we'd all move on to something else, but kind of is what it is. And 
you know, you mentioned the the offensive rebounding. That's been a strategic thing that the Lakers decided to try to get back in order to stop yep. getting shredded and in transition. They have had, I'm trying to remember the opponent. They did this one other game um, where they completely changed that and instead blitzed the offensive glass. And I think it threw, I want to say maybe it was Phoenix. It threw them uh, completely for a loop because the opponent wasn't expecting that. And uh, and they kind of did that in, in this one here too, where suddenly they started going after everything yeah. on the offensive glass. Jackson I think Hayes was great. That's one of the better games I've ever seen him play. That that may be the best game of his career. And beyond beyond the unlikelihood of the Lakers beating the Celtics last night, the most insane stat. This will be the most insane stat of the season by far. Jackson Hayes played 34 minutes and committed zero fouls. If you've watched him at all this season, he hasn't been able to go a minute or two tops without picking up a foul or set a screen without fouling somebody. That was that was insane. Yeah, he um, was great. Anyway, let's get into some of our questions and comments. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff coming in. We do have the Jake Fisher trade piece to break down. Plenty of trade talks to get into. So again, thank you everybody who's not a Lakers fan or a Celtics fan for bearing with us as we as we talk through all that. Uh, we have Muffin an breaks. actual trade from last night to get into. Too. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. We do have an actual trade to talk about. Okay, let's let's do this one. Then we'll do the trade. Uh, Muffin breaks that I'm still convinced that Caruso would be a, be great for the Lakers. Have you heard anything about whether the Bulls want to keep him and what would you give up for him at most? I, it does seem like the Bulls, oh, they would like to hang on to Caruso. Right now, asking prices are still very high, but it doesn't seem like they are interested in moving him. Like You would have to really blow them away with their offer to go get him. You're not like getting him for a, a matching contract and like some second rounders or something. Yeah, they want two first-round picks and like two real ones. Yeah. And that's not a... I don't think that's like a lot of posturing from the Bulls either. I think that that's like, this is what's what it's going to take for you to really get them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where that's at. So I wouldn't say that's likely we, there was a rumor that came out earlier today from Jake Fisher that the Lakers were checking in on Marcus smart. Clearly they, uh, they are looking for that type of player, a defensive guard, um, but getting Caruso will certainly not be easy. Um, certainly not as easy as it was when they got rid of him for no reason. Um, Keith, you said that uh, we actually had a trade go down. <laughs> Stephen Adams. Right, I'm just laughing because it's, I it's like four years later, and that's still such a sore subject. It really is. It really <laughs> is. It's it's awful. It's awful. Um, it, Stephen Adams goes to the Houston Rockets in a deal for Victor Oladipo. Some second rounders, I believe, it was three second rounders, uh, go to Memphis. So I guess let's start with Houston. What do you like about this trade? for the Rockets or do you like this trade for the Rockets? Um, I, I don't hate it for the Rockets. I think it's fine. Uh, they had made it pretty clear they were going to do what they needed to do to try to get um, more physical in their front court. They wanted to get somebody in there. They've been linked to Robert Williams. They've been linked to some other guys. Clearly they must've felt like somebody who could help them with that for the rest of this season was not going to be available. So you go get Steven Adams. I don't love it from the standpoint of you can't play Adams and Shingun together. Uh, they just you, You're not going to have a workable offense that way, and there'd be no one for uh, one of the two of them to guard on the other end. But if you're Ime Udoka, you know starting next season, you have 48 minutes of center play covered between uh, Shingun and Adams and whatever small ball options you probably want to go to uh, there, so they're they're in a really good good place. So I think they must feel he's gonna get back on the court and be able to give them 18, 20 minutes a night, and just kind of go from there. And that that way they don't have to overuse Shingun. 
they have a night where maybe they need a little bit more defense, a little bit more rebounding. You go to Adams. The Oladipo trade as well, he, he's on an expiring contract. So for Houston, that allows them to roll the salary slot over and even into a little bit higher of a number. So if they want to make a trade next summer, they'll be able to do that. They'll be able to put Adams in a deal and maybe aggregate him with another player or two and bring back a bigger salary that way. So that opens up some options that didn't exist with Oladipo beyond uh, the next uh, uh, week here. So, so you've got that, the three second round picks, none of them are great second round picks. So I'm not really going to get too concerned because for Houston, they have a pretty full roster anyway. So you're not really necessarily looking to build up too much that way through the draft. So it, it it's, it's not, I'm not, Let's you know have a party here over it, but I think it's fine. I I, I have no real issue with the trade. Yeah, um, it's something where I get that they're they were looking for another big. Obviously, they had the Robert Williams thing that they were poking around, but um, but Adams is a guy that I like a lot. I I think he could help the Rockets. Maybe he does wind up getting getting flipped this summer, but uh, obviously he's not playing this season. But I get it. Uh, I, I think if you're the Rockets, you've got to be really comfortable that he's going to be back. He's going to be back to 100%. Otherwise, it's it's a it's a risk to give up that many second rounders for a guy who's right now injured and, and is missing this entire season. You look at it as if nothing else, you gave up the second rounders to have a trade salary that you wouldn't have had otherwise. So now yeah. you know you could throw 12.6 million into another trade, and that's that's a steep price if that's where it lands, but clearly that's not what they're hoping for. They're hoping he'll get back and, and go. If we flip to the Memphis side, Memphis, they're going to get nothing out of Victor Oladipo. I'd be kind of surprised if he even has to report there. I saw some people saying, well, maybe he could play. They're so banged up. Not going to be a thing. Uh, so I would guess they'll probably hang on to him for at least the next few days, see if another trade comes up where they could send him out to get something. And if they can't, then I think what you'll see them do is probably turn around and uh, work some kind of, I would say a buyout, but there's really no reason for Oladipo to give back money because he's probably not going to catch on with anybody else. So just a straight waiver, that frees up a roster spot. Likely that will go to Gigi Jackson, who's really outplayed his two-way contract, somebody they'd like to have long-term. And then the big thing for them, though, is they clear $12.6 off of next year's books which is really important for the Grizzlies because they were looking at being a second apron team, potentially. Now that could free mm-hmm. up enough room to keep Luke Kennard. Uh, we'll see what happens with that one. Or maybe you work a deal where you decline his team option but resign him to a lower number uh, where you can add a few more years on uh, with Kennard. And you otherwise, you could also be in a spot where, hey, maybe we move off of one or two of the guys we drafted recently, like Zaire Williams or Jake Laravi or David Roddy, and clear a little bit more space that way. So they gave themselves some flexibility on a roster that was pretty full, and I expect they'll use these second-round picks. Over the next two years, it's two this draft and then one next draft. Mm -hmm. And I think what those will really be is those will turn into, this is how we will backfill our two-way spots as we promote guys from there or we'll draft and stash a guy or two because they've got a really full roster right right okay uh let's get into into this this is crazy mr hey, i'm Easley. sorry can i do one other thing on the trade oh, yeah. Absolutely. just because it's kind of a fun thing here with this uh um uh, the way this all kind of comes down uh-huh. they the mechanics of this trade were interesting because 
how it's going to, well, not how it's going to work, how it did work was the raw, the Grizzlies had the disabled player exception for John uh-huh. Moran. That's how they acquired um, Victor Oladipo. So that allowed them uh-huh. to create a $12.6 million trade exception. That's for it. Steven Adams. So now what you're in is you have that bigger spot. It's about 200 K bigger than Morant's DPE. That was going to expire anyway in March. Now you have this, um, this uh, spot here with the um, gosh, with the trade exception that runs out a full year. And now the remainder of the Morant DPE, it would have been about 3 million ish dollars that goes away. Cause you can only use that for one player. And then it also, the Adams disabled player exception also goes away because they don't have, he's not on the roster anymore. So in theory, the idea is you get that to replace a guy who's on your roster. When that guy's gone, that goes away and it doesn't transfer to Houston or anything like that. Houston can't request one. The deadline's already passed to request a disabled player exception, but the guy has to be injured when you're on your roster. So just Mm -hmm. some kind of fun cap mechanics there. Um, That's it. I was I was wondering about that. I was wondering how they were generating a, a trade exception in that in that deal. Is that big of a trade exception? Okay, that's good to know. Yep. Um, Mr. Easley said front office Friday. Yep. Hope you you two uh, are doing well and in great health. How crazy would it have been that if the Cavs, Knicks, and Sixers <laughs> lost last night, Doc would have been the coach of the All Star game? Is that right? Yeah, they confirmed it that he he will go. And be the coach. And it, it's still more likely than not that he'll be the coach. We'll see. I okay. There's like scenarios. They just, I think it's by, it might be today um, that, that they could kind of wrap that up. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a crazy thing. If he, he is the all-star coach, That's, I, I'll say that much. Doc Rivers off the couch coaching the all-star game. <laughs> that's, 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 no, it's crazy. funny though. Knowing Doc, I bet he would, rather not yeah probably rather go play golf somewhere for for a few days but yeah yeah, just a weird thing all right let's get into uh this one uh mr easley said a few questions do you think a team picks up tony snell you saw that there was that article about him uh, trying to get uh uh, the insurance coming with the the players association can adam silver accommodate him also is it just me or have the flagrant foul calls gotten horrible uh well let's start with the tony snell thing what what did you think about that whole situation he's trying to wait get his way back into the nba um in order to uh, to qualify for benefits do you think this is going to work out for him he's got till i think today right today, yeah yeah i don't know um we'll see tony snell is very much a fringe guy um in the league so a team would have to really either want to do him a solid or feel like all right, Tony Snell can come in and at least give us some bench shooting down the line. A 10-day contract, I believe, does not get it done. It has to be a standard contract. Now, a team could sign him to a standard deal, keep him for a couple days, and then waive him and basically say, hey, here's a payday plus you got to your 10 years of service and and you qualify. And what the 10 years is for Tony Snell is he needs to be on a roster by today for it to count for his insurance benefits. And if you're a 10-year player, you become completely vested. And that means you're covered for life, not just you, but your entire dependency. Um, So that would be his wife and his kids and all that stuff. I get it with everybody who screamed and yelled. I mean, my mentions were a freaking mess for a day when I said it would be nice if somebody would sign him and do him a solid. But people were screaming and yelling. This guy made over $50 in his career. 
made is not what he took home, first of all. But yes, I get it. He has more money than 99% of people will ever see in their life. Yeah. But care he has a lifelong responsibility to care for his two sons and presumably long beyond probably his own lifespan uh, with this as well. He has two sons who have autism. I highly suggest people go read Jake Fisher's article yeah. on it because it's going to tell you a lot more stuff than I would spend the time on the show here to get into. Uh, can Adam Silver accommodate him? No, Adam Silver can't make a yeah. team sign him. And this isn't an Adam Silver issue. This is a players association thing. This would have to be a major thing where everybody would have to come together from the league to the players association to, I believe there's also some uh, case in the retired uh, players association as well, where they would all have to agree. All right, Hey, we're going to call it vested and give them the 10th year. And then you get into, all right, who else are we going to do this for too? Then what situation did these guys have with that? So it's, I, I don't think anything's going to happen. And I think Tony sell is going to have to try to figure out another way you know, to, to get on, on to a roster and go from there. So, so we'll see with this. Um, and then flagrant foul calls. Yeah. I mean, we're reviewing way too much stuff in my opinion. Yeah. Like we don't need to go back to Kevin McHale clothesline and Kurt Rambis into the seats to, to get calls reviewed, but we review so many things now and it just slows the game down. No, nobody yeah. needs that. Nobody likes the, this amount of reviews. So we, we need to get, get into a better place very quickly. And it feels like when they're obvious, they still take too long, you know, looking and looking and looking and looking. And it just, it's, it, it can grind a game to a halt. So I agree. I think it's gotten to be a bit excessive here. Uh, no cap said, could the Warriors sign someone if Clay and Paul walk this offseason? So you lose Chris Paul, you lose Clay Thompson. Does that clear enough salary for them to, I mean, they would have what, a mid level exception? I'm assuming I don't have their sheet in front of me, but that would clear up a mid level exception for them. I think they'd still be uh, over the cap. Uh, and then saying, I see Daryl throwing, I'm assuming Daryl Morey throwing big money at Clay this summer. How much space would they have? Um, so let's start with the Warriors piece to that. Clay Thompson and, and Chris Paul walk away. What does their situation look like at that point? Yeah, I mean, they're still well over the cap. Um, so they would be, unless a bunch of other things happen too. But you got to remember, they have Curry, Wiggins, and Draymond Green all making north of $20 million. So mm -hmm. they're going to be well over the cap no matter what uh, in that situation. But, yeah, they would free up the mid-level exception that, that would come because be, they would be under the tax in that scenario. So there's there's a world where that could could happen, and that could be how it plays out. I, the Daryl Morey throwing a big bag at clay i don't think that's gonna happen that's yeah gonna happen. like if you were the if you're a sixers out. fan yeah i wouldn't be thrilled with yeah. that yeah you know. use your cap space on somebody who can give you more for longer you know and yeah. i i think clay is largely gotten back to new normal i guess for him so uh so we go from there we have a baseball trade if you want to go over that oh it's sure i'm not going to hit the breaking news <laughs> button but is it, is no, it it's not even a good one. no oh no. okay it's a fairly minor trade um I just looked at the notification and I saw a trade and I was like, Oh, bad. No, nope. It's Jeff passing. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then Chris Paul, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that old situation. I would more keep, let, let's keep our eyes open here for the next, uh, sure. uh, you know, what, what do we get? Six days left, uh, yeah. to see if anything happens beyond that. The clock is ticking or, or in LeBron's terms, the hourglass is, uh, 
yeah. running out. Yeah. Uh, Senpai, my guy said, is this going to be an arms race deadline? As in, if one or two big trades happen by contenders, is that going to cause other teams to get trades done? So far, like what we what we're hearing, what we're reading out there, it sounds like more teams are pulling players off the market that are really getting deals done, and it's sounding more and more like it's just going to be kind of a not of a dud, not a dud of a deadline. I think there's going to be role players being moved, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be a, a big arms race. Like, oh, this team did this, we better go get this big name player. Those big names aren't really out there. Um, I could see where a trade or two could open things up a little bit, but it doesn't really seem like this is going to be a big, big move trade deadline. Maybe I'm wrong. You never know in the NBA. Things change with one phone call. But right now, it feels more like it's going to be more of a moves around the margins type of deadline. Yeah, if you got into it, Bob, where the Thunder made a big move, that could spark... Then sure. does Minnesota make a big move? Do the Clippers try to do the Clippers aren't in a position to do anything big, but like, do they do something that sometimes does happen? Sometimes teams are like, Oh man, we got to react to this now. You yep. know, if the Knicks make another big move, do the teams that aren't probably Boston and Milwaukee, cause they're just, they're also not in a real spot to make a big trade either, but do the Cavs or the Sixers or somebody else who are like, man, the Knicks are, they're, one they're for real already and like now they're even more for real we got to get into it so i think that becomes a um spot where maybe that sparks it but yeah i think it's going to be like let's say the brogdon's bogdanovich type level guys i think those are more the moves we see i don't mm -hmm. think we're going to get an out of nowhere you know trade i know hey it seemed like uh for yesterday i'm sure you had to spend more time than you wanted to on it the that someone was trying to manifest that LeBron might get traded, which uh, yeah. clearly uh, Rich and that Paul got shut down today. Shut that down very quickly today. Yeah. Um. And I'll say for what it's worth, the people I asked about that were like, "Look, at best," and they were very clear. It was like, "At best, at best, at best." If Bronny comes into the league, LeBron really wants to play with him somewhere. At best, something happens maybe this summer. Um. But everybody's like, "There's he's just not getting traded," and it was just. That was just crazy to think of anyway. So I think um, I, I it would have to be something like that. I think mm -hmm. that would set off a, like, oh, my goodness, what happened here? And now those moves just don't necessarily you know, uh, seem to be on the horizon. You mentioned Brogdon. The Fisher's piece had even Brogdon looking less likely to be moved. And, that, and that's the guy that we, we went, okay, this is a player that's definitely getting moved by the trade deadline. But is this... Is there just a lot of posturing right now with like, because we know it's a seller's market. We know there's way more buyers than sellers. Do you think sellers at this point are putting, are just kind of saying like, Hey, you know, maybe we just won't trade anybody that unless you guys increase your offers. Is that where we're at? Or do you think like the Blazers are really going to keep them? Yeah, they might. I, I think Portland's looking at it and saying, Hey, Scoot Henderson is not ready right now to play 35 minutes a night, even on a bad rebuilding team. We want to take it slow because sometimes, sometimes it sounds good. And I'm a big proponent of throw young players on bad teams as many minutes as they can handle. Sure. But it's that they can handle is the key phrase there. Because if you make him play 35 minutes a night and he's just not ready, you can wreck a young player very early with that. I think to some extent when he finally started playing that, it's almost a little bit what happened to James Wiseman. I think it was, here's a whole bunch of minutes just because of your draft position. He wasn't ready for him. And now we'll never find out if he's going to be good. And there's a lot more to that too. Maybe he's just not good. 
right? But I think in this case, I'd be very cautious of trading Malcolm Brogdon just to kind of trade him because a lot of the offers you're going to get now could be better in the summertime when he's an expiring mm-hmm. contract. Teams have just more flexibility to do stuff. And you may have a couple teams who are, you know, we didn't really need Malcolm Brogdon. But once we get through the playoffs, we realize what we need is Malcolm Brogdon. So now we have more to offer and we go that way. I still think there's a chance he, he gets traded. But I think for now, I, I get why teams are holding kind of firm on what they want, be it Portland with him or Detroit with Bogdanovich or Charlotte with some of their guys, because mm-hmm. they just don't think you want to rush into a move right now. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, again, does not set up for a particularly explosive trade deadline, but as but we're saying at the beginning, of, yeah, I mean, there's still plenty of time for all of yeah. that stuff to, to shift and change and one move here, one move there. Next thing you know, everything goes crazy. Um, you get some, some, uh, some compliments here for looking good in purple. <laughs> Thanks. Orlando City, um, purple and yellow, baby. Let's go. Lions. It's almost time. D Rock said, I doubt the Nets untouchable stance. Mikhail Claxton, Dinwiddie, Royce, uh, Dorian by Thursday, and will trade Johnson and Simmons this summer. Ooh, um, that's everybody, man. That's, that's, that's a lot. Just, like just trade every, everybody must go. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's the fire sale. They are not going to trade all those guys by Thursday. I would be shocked. If that mm-hmm. happened, I, a couple of them, sure. I, I think that's true. I, For what it's worth, I don't believe the whole the Nets turned down two first-round picks for Dorian Finney-Smith. That's If they do, we need to have a whole other conversation about uh, who's running things and should they be there. Right. I know it's Sean but, Marks, but like, what do we I, I mentioned, though, not all firsts are created equal. People were asking sure. me about that with Lakers Nation, and I yeah. said, hey, Look, that this doesn't mean they were real first. They could be kind of fake, heavily protected first. I'd have to imagine because, like, if it was two fully unprotected first from like a bad team or something, like they'd be crazy to turn that down. So I don't totally buy that. But there's a very big difference between a first round pick that's unprotected and a first round pick that's that's not. Yeah, and that would be actively looking to move Dinwiddie or Royce O'Neal. They're on expiring contracts. Nick Claxton a little bit different because I think they'd like to keep him if, if they can. But if you get a really, really good, um, you know, uh, you get a really good offer for him, I would consider it the, the Rocket stuff. That seems to be pretty murky on what was actually offered for Mikhail Bridges. We talked in depth about that the other day. Uh, Johnson and Simmons this summer. Yeah, I mean, maybe Simmons mm-hmm. reverts to being a big expiring contract. So a lot of that becomes where the net's at. Are they, hey, we'll we'll uh, trade Ben Simmons to you. You give us a contract that's also not real desirable, runs out a couple of years, but you throw a first to us. Maybe maybe they are willing to jump in on that. So I, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see. I I uh, I think they're going to do something here in the next few days. All right, uh, Marcus says uh, Jeremy Grant for Rui Hachimura, Torian Prince. And a first round pick. If we're keeping Ham, let's give him the tools he needs. Grant improves the wing position and he can make uh, a big three. He's also got that massive contract. And I also don't know if, if Portland will will go for that. They seem pretty reluctant to trade Jeremy Grant in general, much less trade him with the Lakers. Yeah, I wouldn't do that if I was Portland. There's just not enough value there. You're getting a first that is pretty nebulous you it, it just if anybody knew and i know we have a lot of new people who have subscribed and are watching now i 
my feelings on Lakers far out first are you almost have to think of them as like a neutral mid-round first pick, mid-first round pick, because the Lakers are very good at flipping a bad situation very quickly. Part of that's just they're the Lakers. Mm -hmm. They they can do that. And there is, yes, there is the potential LeBron retires, moves on, AD gets hurt again, and everything falls apart. Maybe one of those picks ends up great in a few years. Sure, that could definitely be a thing, but – it's you're 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 pretty nebulous in what that pick would be so you're really talking then about the value here is Hachimura in a who knows first because Prince doesn't have any value to Portland I I wouldn't do that if I was Portland I hang on to Jeremy Grant he's he's playing really really well so Mm -hmm. I I would not uh I would not move him yeah and that's uh if you're from the Lakers side of things if it's the same thing with Zach Levine if you're taking on that contract you have to be convinced He's yep. the guy that is going to be the player you want with Anthony Davis moving forward, potentially into a post-LeBron era. And and I'm not, I like Jeremy Grant. I don't know if he's that guy, if you're going to burn that first, the 2029 first, uh, and then give up your, your trade assets. So uh, value-wise, I think it'd be fine, you know, but or do you want to make the commitment moving forward that he's the guy that, that you want? And that's going to be the question yep. mark. Uh, yeah, I, I don't love it for the Lakers either for all the reasons you just laid out. And it, you have to, if you're the Lakers, you have to operate somewhat in a world of, hey, if if for some reason we don't have LeBron either this summer or on the early end or after next year on the, the maybe further out end, maybe the best thing to do is really let everything else kind of roll off the books and then we – rebuild around AD and Reeves and we figure it yeah. out from there that that that's that's not the worst place to be in because again the Lakers with a ton of cap space is it that that's a great place to be and again I know everybody's gonna be like, well free agents don't change teams like that anymore well they don't until it's the Lakers having the cap space and you can use it via trades you can use it in all kinds of other ways so I I I, I think I would want to I yeah, I'm with you. We've said it ad nauseum mostly about Zach Levine. If you're making that big move and locking into the next four years of money beyond this year, even three years at near max money, you better be certain that's the right guy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, this question says, fellas, there's no way the Rockets are offering multiple of our picks back and the Nets aren't negotiating. This has to be posturing. Maybe I'm naive. Uh, is that you know, Nets fans thinking that the, they should be looking to move Mikhail Bridges and, and, and potentially just posturing to get a better deal out of the Rockets? 
that, that, that could certainly be what's going on here. Um, yeah, if you're getting multiple of your own first-round picks back, there's definitely value to that, especially if you're going to go into a full rebuild. There's a lot of value to that certainty of having your own picks. Um, we'll see, though. And we'll see where the Nets are, are really at with Bridges. I also like Bridges a lot, and I get why they would look at him and see, hey, he could be part of our future. The question is, how soon is that future coming? Yeah, and I think I if I think there may be a little bit of posturing going on here because I just I gotta imagine if I'm the Nets, I I he either I if I'm turning something like this down, it's because I know I have something else potentially lined up that I think mm-hmm. I can get done, whether that's in the next you know week here or that's within the next four or five months in the free agency. You gotta feel feel pretty good about that. So we'll we'll see. All right, we've got a few Thanks, more here. Slick <laughs> <laughs> Mission 86 said, Keith, quick apology for master locking you last night. If oh, you man. saw that, N- nothing personal, it. all love. <laughs> Thanks for everything you and Trevor do. Yeah, that would be Lakers fans. We're fired up after the uh, after Should the win. Be. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, I have no problem with getting master lock. I, I nominated myself as the master lock after the Christmas game. So, that's that, that's right. That's to- to- totally fair. So I don't even know if that's allowed by the rules, but oh, it I is. did it anyway. It is. Very it's it's, a, it's yeah. happened. It's a thing that, that does happen every now and then. Uh, as as physically impossible as it would be, but <laughs> but yes. I don't know the way my back's feeling right now. Maybe that's what I messed <laughs> up doing. That that could be it. That could be it. Could Master be. locked into a back injury. Um, Jeremy said, "Happy front office Friday." What are realistic deals for Kyle Kuzma? Opinion on best fit overall. I know he fits so many places. Just fun to speculate. Um, so Kyle Kuzma again. This was. Uh, some big news yesterday. We've had a lot of negative news in terms of a active trade market. A lot of players <laughs> being pulled off the market. Now we've got, though, that the Wizards might take a little bit less for Kyle Kuzma. And today that they might take a little bit less for Tyus Jones. Might co- might not cost a first-round pick to get him after all. But Kyle Kuzma, $25.5 million a season. But then the salary declines over the next three seasons after this one. 23 21.5, 19.5, essentially, uh, is the rest of, the, of that deal. So... What make who makes sense as a as a landing? But for some reason, the team that jumps to mind for me is Dallas. But I, I think there are a number of places that he could wind up. Yeah, Dallas has been heavily connected with him, and anytime certain reporters and certain markets report something, it it should perk you up a little bit. And when uh, Mark Stein has something on the Mavericks, like you should be perked yeah. up. He's as well connected. And he mentioned that in, in his Substack. stack. Um, Jake Fisher mentioned it in his article today. Uh, the Kings have also been heavily connected to Kyle Kuzma as far back as free agency. When it looked like the Kings might've been free agent players. And then they used their cap space to uh, differently. They extended Harrison Barnes. They renegotiated and extended Demas uh, Sabonis. So, so they went in a slightly different way. So, I think um, those are the teams I would start with uh, mm-hmm. there. But that could be one where, because his contract is pretty good, you could get a surprise team jumps in there. It's like, whoa, I didn't expect them. You know, right. just to kind of kind of throw in there on Kyle Kuzma because we talked about this. Might even been yesterday. Maybe it was the day before. Um, he he's very plug and play because you can ask him to do a lot of things. And you're even at a point by the end of that contract, you might even be playing him in a high value six man kind of role where it is, Hey, just come in and be a designated scorer off the bench kind of thing. And sure. you know, that, that would be interesting. But yeah, I, 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 I think Washington's going to be pretty active here in the next few days, just because they've got a lot of guys, even if it's not Kuzma, 
I think Daniel Gafford, Tyus Jones, definitely, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if, you know, anybody else gets involved there, but I think those guys would go for sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's a lot of different guys that, uh, that could be moved from Washington. And I think they're going to be an active team and they should be, they should be given where they're at right now. They should be a team that's, that's out there trying to make moves. Um, Causing Lyric said, do you think Hayes should start next to AD? Need to find a way to let AD play the four again. We have the right players. We just need better rotations. No, please no. Let's not overreact to one game. We've seen Jackson Hayes. I've been talking about this for months. He's been essentially unplayable. Um, he had a great game and give him all the credit for that. And I hope that's the way he plays from here on out. But I'm not overreacting to one good game uh, from Jackson Hayes. Or and certainly not thrusting him into the the starting lineup permanently and sliding Anthony Davis out of the the center spot or any, anything like that. Um, yeah, I would. If Jackson Hayes is still doing this a month from now, maybe we have the conversation. But this is one good game after weeks and weeks of of him being, you know, not a guy that you can really put on the floor with any confidence. So uh, until we see this with any consistency, I would I would not be slotting him into the starting five. Yeah, you gotta see it regularly, like you said. And then my other piece with with this is it's not as much about AD. I've held firm to this for a, close to a year now. This is about LeBron. LeBron's a four now. Yep. He can't defend threes. He, he just he's not going to chase a lot of guys around the perimeter. He's not going to do a lot of guarding out there. You want him on bigger players. He, he's now to the point where he's almost become like a backline switch guy, where he he kind of sits around the block and then you switch almost around him. And it's not to say. Yeah, if it's a I need one stop at the end of a game, I'm okay with throwing LeBron on just about sure. anybody and saying, go get it done. We're talking about making multiple plays over because it appears Darvin Ham's decided LeBron can play 40 minutes a night. So you're talking about guarding guys for 40 minutes a night. Like that's just not not a thing, not not that way anymore. And then AD, part of what makes him so special is because he is playing the five. At the four, a lot of what he does becomes slightly negated because it's just not, okay, great, he spots up and shoots. Well, every four does that. you know. So it just becomes, you want him drawing those mismatches against opposing bigs and doing the things that he does, pulling the bigs away from the lane, open up the drives and all that stuff. I just say, I don't think it's the right way to go. Now, there are lineups where they should probably play together for sure, um, I, I think, you know, but that's depending on, you know, let's see Jackson Hayes do this more than once. Do this four or five times over the next couple of weeks. Okay. You know, now now we'll we'll find you a much more permanent role where you're getting 15, 20 minutes a night. Yeah, exactly. Cameron said favorite possible trade not involving the Lakers or the Celtics. That's a good question. That's I, interesting. I don't yeah. I don't it sounds weird to say this. I don't spend a lot of time on fake trade stuff because there's just so much going on that is trying to find out what's real out there yeah. that that i spend much more time on that um i i it's cheating because now it's gotten done but i loved siakam for the pacers like i mm -hmm. thought that was just a move that made a ton of sense uh for them i loved the aog and anobi the knicks getting them kind of came a little bit out of nowhere um, but I liked OG and Anobi for about 25 teams in the league. I thought he'd be really good. So I think um, I like Orlando going and getting like Malcolm Brogdon. I think if they could do that, yeah. then that's that's a trade I would really like to see. Something like that where it's a, a player who could come in, B 
be an upgrade over what they have, but be additive without taking away from Paulo and Franz too much. Because I don't want want a guard coming in that needs 25 shots a night and is going to have the ball a lot. And those two guys are going to be relegated to standing around watching because they're, they're what makes the magic go. So I just want somebody who's additive to that. By the way, all-star Paulo Bancaro. Should, yeah. should note that. Um, yeah, we didn't get into it. Let's talk that real quickly. Yeah. Did anything jump out at you as like, oh my God, that's an egregious snub or that guy never should have gotten picked? You know, I here's my my thing. And, and you know, I know you have the same opinion. I don't care that much about the all-star yeah. game or the all-star teams or or any of that really, just because it's not, look, I, I look at it as, and we've talked about this, the, the players don't care much about the all-star game. Why am I going to care much about the all-star game? I, I get it. It's still important in terms of, you know, just making the team being selected, but the game itself isn't all that exciting. So I, I think it's another one of those situations where it's almost set up just to create arguments because like, for example, when they do the, you know, the top 50 players or top 75, you know, it's no matter what good players are going to be left out. Yep. No matter what, there's there's no way around it. And so every year it's going to be... you draw the line, yeah. Right. Every year it's going to be, this player got snubbed, that player got snubbed, how dare they, so egregious, blah, you know, all, all this stuff. Like, let, let's have something to be outraged about. Um, I think these are all good players. I, I look at this and I, I say, okay, well, should Carl Anthony Towns have made it in the West or should it have been uh, the Sacramento Kings guys? Uh, okay, that's, you know, that's a fair question, especially when Sacramento's had some... Had, had both Sabonis and, and Fox playing well. Towns, I get it, though. Minnesota's also been really, really good th this year. So um, maybe they needed two All-Stars. So I understand the thought process there. Trey Young, I think he's going to wind up being an injury replacement. Um, so I'm not I'm not that worried about him missing out. But that's the other one where you kind of go, huh, how did, how did Trey Young not make it? But the question is always, if you say this guy should have been an All-Star, who are you taking out of the mix? And is that player... Uh, a deserving player or not, that's where it gets tricky. And again, these are all great players. So I, I get people getting all upset, like, oh, this player should have been an all-star or this player shouldn't have been or, or whatever. But to me, it's it's almost just set up as something to, something to get riled up about today and then tomorrow it'll be something else. All right, so here's the things I firmly believe in. The all-star game should have 15 players per side now. That's what real rosters are. That's how many sure. players are allowed to be active for a real game. We should just, it's time to up it. We have more teams than we ever had when it was set at 12 per side. So there's more players to pick from. The talent pool is just bigger. We, we, we've we never changed and reflected that with the All-Star game. My second thing is, if you're going to scream and yell that DeMontis Sabonis should have been an All-Star, I'm not going to argue with you that he shouldn't have been, but tell me who has to come out. Because exactly. you, we don't have 15. We don't have unlimited spots. So I would have been fine if Sabonis made it over Towns. I also would have been fine if he made it over AD, honestly. It was weird that a team that's not playing that well got two All-Stars, and I get LeBron got voted in, right. so that's a whole other thing. So it is what it is. I, I'm not going to you know fight anybody on that. I do find it a little weird. The coaches, in some respects, seem to value winning with some of their picks, but then in they other do. places it didn't seem like they did, so that's always a little a little off with, with some of that stuff. So I think that's a little weird. So, so we'll see. Um, I think there's, there's, you know, a chance, like you said, we we're we know we're going to have two injury 
uh, replacements in the East, definitely it's going to be Embiid and Randall mm-hmm. are going to get replaced. And we need to talk about Embiid because we haven't talked about that yet. Yeah. And then, uh, then we kind of, kind of go from there. So no real issues with, with that, um, you know, there. So it's, uh, you know, it's nothing was egregious though. There was nobody was like, Oh my gosh, how did this guy make it? It just kind of is, is what it is. You know, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, not, not going to lose my mind over it. Yeah, that's that's just it. And I think with the AD thing, it becomes difficult because AD has outplayed LeBron on the season. Yeah. So if LeBron's in, how do you not, you know, but, uh, you know, that's, I get it. The Lakers, if it's going to be wins-based, the Lakers' record does not suggest they should have two all-stars, but. Um, <laughs> People are like, stop the disrespect. Like, stop disrespecting Sabonis. Go look at how good the guy's been. It's been well, ridiculous. Like, I mean, AD's the better player, so that's the the challenge. But the Kings have certainly been winning more, yeah. and so if it's wins based, I, I get it for sure. sure. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, Sabonis is really, really good. Oh, he like, is. He's he's. I don't he's understand very good. how people don't realize this yet. And I'm I'm not saying he's better than AD in a vacuum. I take AD over it for sure. Um, you know, but I just yeah, I yeah, if we're gonna factor in winning, but. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yes. Uh, somebody said Trevor must have Woj notifications on. We both do. So yeah, we, we both, both definitely do. just looked at that. Yep. And then yep. two that came in in a row. So it was like, wait, well, what are we like? What, what happened, what happened here? here? So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. when I perk up. Oh, we might have something, but right. I'm holding out hope, man. We got a few more minutes left and maybe. Yeah. We still, we, we may have to save a few of these for our next, uh, our next show. Um, any bulls rumors, just that they're kind of slowing things down right, right now. Uh, doesn't sound like they're, you know, they're, uh, yeah, it's same thing as a lot of teams, uh, around the NBA. So yeah, we'll see. Caruso, right now, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if a Levine deal emerges here in the next little bit, but for now, no. Yeah. All right. Let's go here. Also any news on Marcus smart trades, just that the, uh, the Grizzlies so far have shut down those trade talks. Doesn't sound like they want to to move on from him, but the teams have been calling them interested. The Lakers, the uh, was it the Wolves? Was that the other team? Uh, no, yeah, it was I the Bucks. So. It was the Bucks. Bucks. Yeah, I yeah. mean, if Marcus Smart gets traded to the Lakers, I'm literally gonna throw up all over my keyboard and everything else, and it's gonna be bad. I, that I won't be able to stomach. Like I, <laughs> that will really bother me. So there, that answers Renee's question. Here is like, that's my thought. The, the Lakers be, being interested in Mark. Hey, Shaq finished his career in a Celtics jersey. So I, how? Did, so I know. So I'm saying I know how you feel. Yeah, for <laughs> ten minutes. For ten, yeah. <laughs> Actually, credit where credit is due. Shaq was really good for them for about half a season. Yeah. Then he got it's hurt, he and had. then it, and then it turned into Shaq's going to be back in a week, and then it turned into Shaq came back for like one half of one playoff game and got hurt again and. And he was like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, no, I I, no, I don't want uh, Marcus Smart on the Lakers under no circumstances. I remember, I was thinking about this earlier today. I remember the draft that year, hoping that the Celtics wouldn't take Marcus Smart because I wanted him to fall one spot to seven to get to the Lakers and then debating Julius Randle or Noah Vonley. Like if Smart doesn't (laughs) last, who should be picked? Who should be picked there? And the Lakers wound up going uh, go with Randall in that situation. Um, as they, they should. Um, who wins, Steph or Sabrina? And how will it bad will it be if Steph loses? I mean, I don't think it'll be bad at that. all. No, I don't think it'll be. I think it'll actually be a, a, it'd be pretty cool to see that happen. Um, he they're shooting from their respective lines using their ball. Yeah. So I don't like that's 
fine. Like I have no, no issue if he loses. I mean, shooting is a, it's a skill that just it's, you know, not to say anybody can do it. Cause certainly I can't shoot at that level, but like, it's just that that's a skill based thing, mm-hmm. not a you know thing. And I've seen some people say she should have to shoot with, did she say she's shooting from the NBA line? I haven't seen that. Maybe. I think she said she would, I know she's something, shooting but I, I haven't followed her that close. If people have said she should have to shoot with the, the men's ball, that doesn't make sense to me. Like it's, you know, that, yeah, it's just, it, different tools for different people. Like I have no issue with that, but yeah, I think Steph will win, but I'm going to, you put Steph in a shooting competition against anybody. I'm probably going to pick up maybe yeah. prime Larry bird. Maybe not just because birds seem to have something for those three point contests. Like it's one of my all time favorite stories when he walked in and said, who all, who's playing for second. <laughs> right. And then went out and destroyed everybody without even taking his warm up jacket off. Like it's just, yeah. What's I mean, Sabrina, what she ran the table right last year, something like that. It was pretty close. If she didn't, I believe it was pretty close. Yeah, I mean, it was it was an unreal performance. And if look, if she beats him, that's fine. That it's yeah, like it's in a shooting it's in a shooting contest. I mean, it's yeah. it's not like we're saying she would beat him one on one or or something yeah. like that. We're talking yeah. about just in, in shooting. Like I don't. I'm not gonna recommend anybody signs her to a ten day to play in the NBA or anything. It's just, no. yeah, it's fine. So, All right. Uh, it doesn't count unless you play the sport with the same rules of quality. Come on, get out of here. Go away. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just shit. Like, right. Yeah. Right. Okay, moving on. I don't want the show to devolve into that. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Um, we might get a I, whole new audience, but <laughs> I don't want them as our audience. So. <laughs> no, thanks. A, Let's pick it back up. Apple says, love the pick of the Dream Team. Yeah, greatest yeah. team ever assembled. Good stuff. That one, that summer was amazing. You can't see it. I'll have to. Maybe I can. Let's see. Yeah, you see, I have the starting lineup guys up above them. Oh, cool! Dream team starting lineup guys in a case up above. That's in with the little figures they used to be able to get. Yep. Yep. Oh, very cool. I I remember those. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I had that. Was uh, one of the things when, as we moved around, it kind of kept staying at my parents' house. Then my parents sent a box with all this stuff in it and those are in there. And my wife was like, we can actually do something with this. So, so that's uh, yeah. Yep. It's not, it's not doc for all-star it's doc's going to coach the all-star team. Cause the bucks may have the best record outside of the Celtics and Joe Missoula can't coach the all-star team two two in a row. Right. That's so, what it is. It's not, yeah, it's, it's not doc rivers it. should be the all-star yeah. coach. What's that? You know, it's not, you don't vote in the coach. That, yeah. that, I yeah. guess let's put yeah, it Nobody picked him. It's just, yeah, yeah crazy. Barkley was ridiculous in the 92 Olympics he outside was. of elbowing the poor dude from Angola. But uh, other than that, <laughs> he, he, was, he was pretty dominant. Yeah. He, that, that was the true, like MJ was like, I'm here, but I, I'm, I'm putting in the minimal amount of effort each yeah. game. And then until they played uh Croatia and Tony Kukoc, then uh, him and uh, him Scotty and Pippen. Let's go. Let's uh, let let's let's shut this dude down. And they made his life miserable. I I love the Dream Team. I've watched the the documentary at least ten times. Um, when it's on, I've read Jack McCallum's book that the documentary is based off of probably five times. I yeah, that's my, my favorite team ever is the Dream Team. They were absolutely incredible. It was yeah. amazing. And it was the first. I mean, we never thought we were going to see. Bird and Magic played together. Together, right? In opposite conferences, and we finally get to see it. It was just like that. That alone was really cool. 
Right, let's finish up with this. First time making one of these live. Thanks for the great content. Thank you for making it. We we appreciate yeah. you coming in and, and glad you could make it. And, Look at his uh, picture too. He's right down the road from me. Yeah, there you go. Castle. Love it. There you go. Right down the road. I can hear the fireworks from our house can, every day. Can give him a wave. Yeah. All right, everybody. Let's yeah. uh let's wrap things up there. Obviously, we've got a big week ahead. If anything breaks over the weekend, we'll jump on and we'll do a show then. Otherwise, we're gonna have uh, our live shows next week. To uh to be we'll be live at the trade deadline, and then we'll probably do a wrap up show the next day too, because that'll be our our front office Friday. So lots going on. We do appreciate all of you for joining us. Let's get ready for a big week ahead. Until next time, everybody. Sorry, sorry, I know I cut you off there because people keep asking. We'll let you know early in the week what time on deadline day. Probably somewhere between one and two. Like let's let's just say that we'll be at least ahead of the um the uh. You know the the all the all star the uh, trade deadline mm-hmm. is at three p.m. Eastern, so we'll 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 be uh you know ahead of that just a little bit, uh probably you know an hour or two ahead. Probably depends quite honestly how much there's happened uh, the yes. night before or earlier in the day, and how much we have to break down before before we get into it. And then we might have something fun to share maybe at the beginning of next week too. So yep, we'll we'll we'll, we'll, right. we'll, we'll we'll leave you on that one. Oh, good cliffhanger. I like it. Yep. We're going to share something exciting with you guys to kick off next week. All right. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.